Right, welcome everybody to episode three of that Roundnet podcast, joined as always by Mr. Mike White and Gavin Brokema, the boys. Today, we're going to be talking about, I think, one of the favorite favorite topics we like discussing at least, and that is the future of Roundnet and taking that bigger perspective on the sport. So we're going to split it up and talk about equipment in the first part of the episode, followed by a lovely Mike's break as always. And then we're going to end the podcast by talking about potential rule changes for the sport. So to get into it, I always like reminding people of this, including myself and you guys, is that we are the 1% of the 1%, right? Most people, we got to remember, right? Everyone's listening to this podcast. Yeah, we know this, that, and we know round there and we've seen it. And we know a lot of top players and, and we love it. And that's fair because it's incredible to watch and it's incredible to be a part of. But we are still a tiny sport in comparison to other sports such as, you know, baseball, soccer, basketball. You know, these sports that have been around for hundreds of years and have a huge following. Understandably so. But we all know that round net could get to a point where it could be just in line with some of those sports, given a decent amount of time and some equipment and rule changes potentially. But go back into, go, going back to my point, we are the 1%. We are a very small percent of people that play this sport. And then on top of that, those that take it somewhat competitively, such as, you know, ourselves and talking about it, those who are very aware of this, you know, competitive community, we are then the 1% of that 1%. Now, we're obviously hoping that's growing. So one way to grow that is to make it as entertaining as possible. So let's start by talking about equipment. Would any of you guys like to set the floor? Dare I say bigger ball? No, I'm not going to jump in with that. 45 um, seconds till you can. <laughs> 40 days. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, um, I think I, I'm not an engineer. I'm I'm not a I'm not a 3D. I, I don't understand CAD. I don't understand how 3D printers work. But I think, and this isn't even about 3D printers or the plastic. It's about the net specifically, um, or some sort of way to make the net just dispose of the pockets essentially. Um. To make it so that pockets don't exist is probably one of the one of the things that will bring the sport up. Can't talk, Nona. Um, disposing of pockets is probably going to be one of those things that brings the sport higher. And I also think that having a more quality, more consistent net is going to be one of the biggest biggest markets in terms of competitive round net players. That something somebody will take it the old net or the current net and say, "Hey, this is what we're after. This is what is going to progress the sport forward." And if we can couple a pocketless net with something that will, will allow the ball to rebound just far enough, I think that's the match made in heaven and um, still a predictable bounce and still allows the ball to grab onto it or still allows the ball to grab onto the net in such a way that we can still produce cut on our serves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly how that's possible. I know that there's people much smarter than I that could figure it out. And I don't know what the distribution chain looks like, but... That's my that's my thing. I yeah. think the net the net is one of the first things that we need to solve the the pocketing problem. Mm-hmm. Equipment makers no. pockets. Get on it. I love so mm-hmm. I love what you're saying. I'm gonna take it a step up. Because what I hear is for you, what's important in round net is a predictable bounce that can come in the form of no pockets, right? Like so no pockets essentially might mean predictable bounce. Um within that predictable bounce, you also mentioned uh not too far, right? Like reasonable. Uh, distance and bounce, um, as well as the able to like kind of move along the net. Like we like our cuts, we like our spin. Um, and I'm just going to mention like so far we have the spike ball uh, standard, right, the pro set, the standard set. Last year, two a year, two years ago, we had the the Revel set come out, which was more plastic, and so right that 
zero pockets um, because it's there's no netting, um, of course. And then there's the different aspect of it. How far does it bounce, et cetera, et cetera. There's now the, what we talked about last week, the Premier Spike Net, which was hoping to have less pockets. I think they said the smaller one actually did have more pockets, um, but it's hoping to be more consistent, have a more consistent bounce. Um, but as far as equipment, it's interesting because those are like two, I would say the Rebel set, like the Premier Spike Set is just a improved version of the pro center that's what they're going for the the revel set uh from charles Henri is okay we know these are important let's take out the things that we think are important like the netting aspect of it and i think like on top of we can we can get into nitty-gritty i'm happy to have this conversation go anyway but i think the 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 bigger thing is like what is important to us as far as like a round net set or a round net ball like in the equipment what is important to us i think what you've touched on everything is like is is very important well, that's such a great point mike because like we don't want to lose this tradition but i'm also worried we don't get too far down the rabbit hole of oh this is sort of what round it is and we've already defined it when actually we're nowhere near close to defining what round it is because it's still so young and the further again the further we go without doing changes or being being open to changes the less our potential is for this sport you know, the less the potential could be for this sport because we end up going down the wrong avenue and too far down, we, we can't turn back. So for me, like, I already think of the equipment through a total, like, objective measurement to begin with. Before I go to subjective, what I would like, from a measure, like, just an objective standpoint, it's you can't have a net that moves, right? I mean, okay, so let's let's start with, let's start with um quick, quick, like, let's just pick our glossary. I think what you just call the net, let's call it a set. Like, uh, or, or what do we want to call it? Set. set. Like the set. thing that goes around on the ground. Set. Around that set. set. Yeah. We're going to yeah. call that a set. Yeah. Net, that if we refer to net, let's call like netting is net. Let's start okay. with just, just, just for purposes. Just for let's, so, that's a good that's point. For clarification, right? yeah. Let's, let's so, call it a, a set. So again, from, a, from an objective measurement, not like biased or personal opinion, right? We cannot have a round net set that moves. That's just total sense can't move right we can't be moving it can't hit the rim or something it moved position and now we're playing a point where the the, the set is now moved and it, we, yeah it's just a mess that's just like wait yep, uh, can we as we go through this discussion if someone brings up something that they think is like very important gavin or can the other two just like chime in with like an agree yes. right so scott sure. you say doesn't move i say agree agree yep. yeah okay <laughs> The next thing for me that is just, again, it needs to be done for the sport to progress massively is that the ball cannot enlarge or deflate depending on the temperature. Okay. So that's the second thing. If you do agree, it can't need to- I'll say within within reason, obviously. Yes. But yeah. Yes. Within okay. reason. Yeah. Within reason. Yep. Third thing that cannot, that has to occur for the sport to move forward massively is there needs to be a standardized ball pressure. You cannot be having some countries playing with a ball that's really inflated whereas other countries playing it with 80% air in. You, that cannot be Agreed. a subjective matter. It has to be objective. Agree. Okay? Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Next thing, like again, objective. We need to have either the netting of the round net set that is the same for every single net in the world, whether you measure that how, I don't know exactly, or whether you change the material. But the principle is we need a netting that is consistent across all round net sets in the world. Agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm trying to think of examples of other sport where like things like that don't happen, but nothing came to mind in the first two minutes. So if you guys think after the fact, let us know. But right now, agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, those are the biggest things that we need to focus in on round net. Now, if I get into my subjective thoughts, my subjective thoughts are mainly based around 
the the thought that we need to be so open and i would love to see more people testing mm -hmm. right i loved premiere spike because they came out with just something new if it was good or bad i just always liked what <laughs> they were trying to do okay with yeah. revel when revel came out everyone was so happy to see people trying to push the boundaries and pushing new things for the sport we need innovation okay mm -hmm. like for me personally i've said it before on the podcast like i am a fan of the bigger ball right <laughs> there's your right yeah he said the thing that's the, yeah, he said the thing right <laughs> just kidding right? But I am a fan because, again, it does what we want it to do. It decreases the t the speed of the serve. It makes mm -hmm. it easier to read on defense because it's a bigger surface area and slightly slower. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really affect the whole game. All it does is do, do what we sort of want it to do. And I'm mm -hmm. not saying massive. I'm saying similar size to the rally ball, but a better material so it doesn't enlarge and inflate depending on the temperature. Yeah. But that sort of size. But again, I like to do testing. And yeah. then the other thing for me for on a, on a subject in matter is... I would love to see us test a higher set because we have to remember that when Jeff Nurick, the original inventor of Spikeball, that was then a sort of toy, you know, in back in the 80s, he didn't envision what the sport would be and what it is right now today. We have yeah. taken this product slash toy and made it into a, a sport that has incredible potential. But when he first came out with the invention, he wasn't thinking, hmm, so should the ball be four inches or six inches? Hmm, mm. you know, the net, should we make it 36 inches or 32? How would that affect a pull, push and open? You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. He didn't, he, he wasn't thinking with inside that thought, but but we need to think with inside that yeah. criteria now because we don't know where the sport could be without thinking about the exact changes could we play on a 32 inch in 10 years time absolutely could we be playing with a slightly bigger ball in 10 years time could we played with a set that's instead of eight inches off the ground maybe 10 inches off the ground like yeah. all of those things could positively affect the game massively and there's subjective mm -hmm. thoughts again my personal no opinion. i i hear you so like yeah. there yeah. are the certain things that are like the standards of play that you need Right. You don't want to show up to a game and they play with a nine foot basketball hoop. All right. Or like the ball is different textures. And I don't know how that right. How that I'm not a basketball guy. Right. But like if they're like, hey, we're going to play with like a, a stickier puck. Right. Or something like different things. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, that was me saying I'm a hockey guy. But <laughs> um, I think, Scott, what you're getting into is like, what do we and we'll get into this with rule changes. What is our ideal game and what do we think can make it better? Right. One example there is a taller set. Right. A standardized height of the set is important. What that height is, that's a subjective measure. And I, I agree with you. I think, of course, it'll go with testing and, and more theory. But I think height of the set is directly important because um, one of the challenges of defending is you're trying to get it before it hits the ground. What is the best way to make it hit the ground slower is make it higher. Right. The trajectory, the shots are different. Obviously, maybe hitting is a little easier because you're closer. But that's a big thing. So I agree. I don't know what that is, but a taller set of something, right? The reason that Revel is smaller and that um, Sanford tried Premier, right, Premier Spike to be smaller is that there's less options, right? And I think the Premier set, they're going to 36. I think part of that um, is because that's the standard set by the IRF and USA Roundnet. But there's also the aspect of here that there was the feedback that it did pocket more, right? And so the idea is there. It's just maybe the execution is not there. So I don't want to go did into more pocket, things. But this is the thing, though. Did it pocket because it was just it pocketed because of the invention was not right, right, like right, like thirty-two because is... you have a smaller surface area that you can yeah. hit cleanly on and serve cleanly on. So okay. therefore, it's more likely that same on a pro net, like pro net's thirty-six inches or a spike yeah. or a premier spike thirty-six inches. 
And of course, your dimension that you can hit with it being clean serve or a clean hit is much larger than if you play them on 32 inches. Everything just mm-hmm. get minimalized. Yeah. I don't know. In my experience, the answer is no to that question. I but <laughs> I, I think no, no, it just yeah. goes through like, right, what are you trying to gain? Right? It's like, okay, shots are harder, which means it's gonna pocket up more. Pocket up like pocketing up more is annoying, but is it inherently a bad thing? Does it mean like, no, you just need to hit it really cleaner. well and then it's cleaner? Mm-hmm. If not, it's a pocket up and go. Would you rather that be a rim? That's one thing. Or yeah. would you rather be more clean shots? So I think this is like the super nuance of where it goes. And so I'm just going to pass to Gavin because and see where you're at in, in this. Yeah, no, I, I feel like that we're, we're kind of breaking this up into two certain specific categories. And one is we our, our sport is not, not necessarily an adolescent yet. It's almost like a preteen. And I would say that one aspect of one, the first aspect would be consistency. Preteens don't ever always do things consistently. They might make their bad. They may, might not. Right. That's the same. Am I a preteen? You, you might be, but in this in this analogy, I, I'm saying. I know. I, know. I guess I'm like kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Their their habits are kind of like akin to um, the ball being inflated properly. Like these observable, measurable th- these metrics that have to be consistent across the board. Um, a net net tension, uh, ball inflation, uh, pockets, and and that come that kind of falls into net tension as well. But what first thing is consistency, and then the second thing is meeting the criteria for how the game we how the game is best, not necessarily watched, but best played as well, and kind of using those metrics and those desirables of the game in order to inform the decision making of the net itself. So, I mean, some of the things that we've talked about are being able to only hit so far, hit so hit so low, and one of the things about having a taller set is that Raul's short. Right. And he has the ability to get low enough to cover all the net for body defense. Not everybody has that luxury. Right. And so it kind of evens it out from that aspect. Um, and, and then there there's so many other little things like how do you go about observing? I, I think the round net stats is a big one of the big one of the bigger things. Like how was the put away executed? Right. Do we hit do we hit a boom ball or do we hit a pull? Do we hit a push? And trying to use those metrics in order to tease out, hey, what does this mean for our net and how can this make gameplay more interesting? But I, I guess we've thrown out a couple of things here and there. One of those things being taller net. I was watching, funny enough, a board ball. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that on your Instagram feed, but if you're a round net player, you've probably been targeted by their advertisements. <laughs> um, board ball is a square uh, square board that is that volleyball is played on. It's just like round net, three touches, but they have a curved lip. And if you hit the hit the ball into the curved lip, it's called a red ball. And the team that was playing offense plays offense again, so it bounces back to you. And what they also have is is they have a square boundary. And I would be curious to know whether or not people have tested, this goes into kind of both equipment and rules, a square boundary as opposed to a circular one. And I know that TDs are waving their flags and saying, oh, no, no, we can't implement boundaries because that's going to be too difficult. And there's so many logistics behind that. But every single sport that exists has a court right now. The cool thing about spike ball is that didn't have to have it or round net didn't have to have it beforehand or didn't have to have it before because it's like it, there there's no rules at the beginning of everything like there's no rules there had there was the rules were just invented within the last 6 7 years right now now we're getting to a point where we're maturing we have to kind of figure out how the game's going to be played that's something that I would consider even trying uh, 
Square I'm a boundary guy. I'm, I'm, for, the, I'm, for the record, I'm, I'm a boundary guy. I'm going to throw square court in the conversation. Officially. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to get mixed up between equipment and rules. So we can save like right. that a little bit for later because I think sure. it's yeah. really important that we that we and and the community as well understand that. When we're talking about equipment, these equipment things are things we need to, we could change and do. And then yeah. once we have those in place, it then could be potentially so much easier to find yeah. the rules that then suit the sport best because it would just make for a more aesthetically right. pleasing, less problems. It would just the equipment is a huge thing that we as a community can solve before yeah. maybe potentially finding the right rules. If sometimes we're trying to find the right rules before we've got the equipment sorted, that can be a problem. Yep. Yeah, but the can same I, thing, oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna, no, I'm, I was a completely different thing. I wanted to take the time to, in a sec, we talked about equipment. I wanted to share like what I want my ideal equipment to accomplish, right? May I do that real quick? Cool. Yeah. And you can disagree. I would like, let's say, Frederick Henkel's hardest swing to be reachable or just out of reach by like a sprinting max model. Do you know, do you know what, like get, like, so essentially there is no hit that is super ungettable, right? He's doing a like, several hit. A hit. So every hit is within reach. So for equipment, that would mean either the ball and the net interact in some way that it does not go, let's say, like 30, like I'm just making a number, 30 yards, right? So essentially, I want it to be reasonable distance of hitting, right? Like a, the example is like a badminton, right? You you can only hit it so far, right? You can only hit it so far. And some people can absolutely crush that. But right, like distance and that, is and important that, to me. And that comes with the ball in the net. Once it comes with the ball in the net. And yep, objective, and the set. Now yep, it comes with the ball boom. in the set. Yep. 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 Like that's what I like. Second is like, I think similarly, I want like a minimum hang time for the ball to go from net to ground. So that would be like, so it's essentially like that would be like the height. Like how long does a person have to like get a drop shot? Right. And so that would be like height of the set. So I, you know what I'm saying is like, oh, good. Yes, I want yes, drop yes, shots yes. to be gettable for a second. Right. And so yeah. whatever that equates to gravity, right? Like, yeah, I'm so those two things for me are the net and the ball as far as like defense is concerned, yeah. right? So I want like some sort of max distance, maybe max speed is what I'm looking for. Like we mentioned earlier, definitely consistency. I don't know if I'm fully out on pockets because I think it's okay for a miss play to be not dead, but an opportunity, I agree. right? So like, a pocket can be like, oh, you didn't clean, and but like the other team still has to put it away, right? Mm -hmm. Like when it goes straight up, like that's annoying, but it's also like that's just punishment for not hitting cleanly. But it's yeah. not a dead ball not hit cleanly. Like I'd rather pocket ups than rims. If mm -hmm. the answer was if it was either clean or a rim, I'd rather pockets in there. Yeah. Obviously, I don't like the disagreements about pockets and rims that come up. So that's something. So that, I think that's another thing that I would want the equipment to things. I do not want as much um, gray, area. You know, gray area. So that's important to me. Um, I'll stop there. But I think like I no, kind of totally got into like, what I look for in equipment. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I think and that I definitely uh, agree with you there about pockets, Mike and Gavin. You obviously mentioned it earlier about like to re to eliminate pockets totally and i don't know and again unless you change the netting totally to sort of a plastic surface like uh revel but revel also has some sort of like pocket slash lips because they have the really big uh, entry barrier lip uh for the for the revel sets so in my opinion i don't want to see pockets eliminated i just want to see them decreased with yes. a objective set that makes it consistent across all round net sets right because i think you should get yeah. rewarded as a defender from a 
if, if a hitter hits uncleanly or serves uncleanly, then you get rewarded by taking that serve or taking that hit that lips up. Similar, yeah. like, yeah, similar. I think it's pretty sure as other sports, you know, it's very similar. That if, if they don't yeah. do it correctly, you get rewarded for that. You know, in basketball, if you don't hit it swoop straight in and it hits the rim, the other team now get an opportunity to play and get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've, I mean, we can go with the basketball analogy and talk about if you've ever played on one of the bat backboards that you get from from like a portable hoop at what target or walmart you get one of like the very low quality one the rebound off of that hoop is going to be much much more dampened as opposed to a glass indoor official backboard uh backboard and it's akin to the same thing with our nets like we need to be able to have a clear distinction of within two or three squares we know that it's going to pocket up or it's going to hit the rim so if it if Do it you remind me of the backboards that like you hit it and it's like such like a chunk like it's like it's like yeah it does nothing <laughs> that just you know, comes yeah. back under like having a consistent backboard you just yeah. mentioned one backboard was plastic one backboard was glass or whatever right you know that's a great example plastic. gavin right that's a right. great example if we can get yeah. that backboard to be the same for every person who plays basketball <laughs> okay. now you have consistency i'm trying to try to make a reference uh the double rims the double rims at playgrounds are like the absolute worst they're like just the thickest basketball rims and just anything just shoots straight off <laughs> yeah i think I'm that's gonna, a perfect example yeah i'm gonna put this out there just because we didn't touch on it nearly enough um and it was like the the phrase of the entire first season um the ball bigger ball um bigger bigger heavier ball is obviously something that a lot of people would love to toy with and something that doesn't travel as far and I, the, the the hand-eye coordination for catching a baseball is is very refined and very acute you have to have those quick reflexes quick senses have to be able to see the ball this bike ball is slightly bigger right and we're contacting the ball with our hands at a very specific angle to get it to go up, right? We're not just catching it. We're using our body parts to, to direct it. And if we get a bigger ball, I think that it's going to make that hand-eye tracking and the ability to present an angle to the ball much easier. And I I mean, agree. Uh, a lot, a lot agree. to say about agree. how agree. much it's going to cost to agree. research and debit, but... Yep. But that, think, that's the big one of the biggest things that needs yeah, to be tested. And no. beyond the and, beyond the meme, bigger ball that allows touches to be easier. Um, and it's not. And again, they're always like, just make the game easier, right? Everyone wants the game easier. It's like, no, you can also make the game just like better. Easier mm -hmm. doesn't. Easier can also mean better. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it so, doesn't. Yeah. Making things easier doesn't mean it's like taking it away. Yeah. Easier can be better anyway. So, so to be able to include cardio. So, yeah, closing thoughts, Scott. So to conclude, when we're talking about equipment through a lens of the sport and the sport's future is, again, objective things that we want within the sport, such as the ball being the same for, and consistent for everyone, the net being measurable and the same for everyone, the net not moving, the same for everyone. So we can have those equipments and they are measurable and they are objective. And then, of course, we've all said some things here, like subjective thoughts about taller net, a bigger ball, etc., etc. But what the biggest thing on that is, is as you as a round it player, be open, test some things and be open to change. Because again, we are a very young sport. We need to test a lot of things. So before we know which subjective thing is going to be the best for the sport, we need to get data and we need to test it. On to Mike's break. Boom. I'm very excited for the break this week. Recap week one, we did the draft last week. Our episode one last week, uh, we did some trivia this week, something new again. Mm. So, um, nervously excited. What I did is I took the, the eight players from each, uh, semifinals from the pro 
at the championship and from women's advance at the championship. And I randomly generated some teams. I ensured that there are no actual teams in here. And I'm going to be doing a, we're going to be doing a mock bracket for the four teams that came up from each pro and women's. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Oh me, oh my. So you guys, I'm going to give you two semis or two semis. You guys are going to pick you guys are going to debate. Maybe I can get involved here, but I kind of just want to watch you guys. And then <laughs> we're going to do the finals and the third place game. And then we're going to do the, we have that for pro and we have that for women's. Mike, you got to get right? involved. You got to get involved. We, we all right. Will you, all do you have like a simulator that will also be like simulating the results or something? How do we know? Oh, we're like just, game? well, we're doing our predictions. Okay. What we would think and, would happen. And then I think we're going to also let the... Uh, the viewers do this as well. So we're going to okay. see what the listeners think. So the viewers, are they going to also guess or are they just going to decide? They're going to they decide. They're going to tell us. Decide. They're going to tell us if we're right or not. They're going like to tell us if we're right or not. Bracket. All right. All right, guys. First semis. So just a reminder, these teams, double clutch, uh, cruise control, assistive touch, and swervy. So the first matchup, Joe Bondi and Frederick Hinkle versus Garrett Hornock and Buddy Hammond. Fred and Joe for me. Same. Is there anything sending you the other way like again if you're such an incredible defender like buddy you need to be playing with a partner who is also incredible at defense to make the most of your ability and that's not to say garrett is not a great defender but he's not clark marshall i I just so sneaky although fred fred and joe can also serve through teams Fred also, you know, they excel on defense, and Joe's not necessarily the best defender either. That's agreed, but Buddy's best attribute is defense, and that defense is then you're a two-man defense, you're not a one-man defense, whereas Fred and Joe, probably their best attribute is serving, (laughs) and you can be a one-man serving. So I'm pretty confident in Joe and Fred. I definitely think Garrett and Buddy could take it, but, I mean, you guys did it. We're going to go Joe Fred. Joe Fred advanced to the finals. Okay. okay. Oh, they're semis. I mean, I think this one's there's. We know where this is going to go. Rahul Murthy and Ryan Gross versus Kyle Ackerman and Clark Marshall. Double R for sure. I I just realized that didn't these two just play in the uh, did they play in the invita- in an exhibition? Rahul and Ryan. Yes, against. So I wish I switched that up, but I think Rahul and Clark or Ryan and Clark would also win. Um, we'll, we'll see. So anyway, Rahul Ryan, any any reason going Kyle and Clark? I think Kyle and Clark could be a very scary team. Yeah, I don't, I don't definitely don't have it hands down that Rahul and Rahul and Ryan would win. I just yeah. Clark again. We've talked about it before. Clark is incredible at playing with different partners, not just the same because his all round game. So if he brought the best out of Kyle, I, I don't. Why would they not? I mean, Ryan. Let's be honest. Those who have been watching, Ryan has been popping <laughs> off recently. Like like inc- like Ryan is literally. Improving at a rapid rate is awesome to see. So it's hard to go against Rahul and and uh, and Ryan, but I think Rahul and Ryan is is yeah, it's the safer bet. But yeah, I still think I think I think Carl and Clark could potentially surprise people because I think Clark would bring the best out of Kyle, and Carl still has a has a has a high. They I would get a ton. They, I think, they'd play a ton of ton of good defense. Yeah, Yeah, I think they two big giants around the net. And and you got to think servicey as well. From a yeah. service pressure standpoint, you just got to make sure that Clark is on and doing his. Yeah. And I mean, I don't have them out. I, th- I think I pick, I have this game probably like 1921 to. Yeah. Two. All right. Let's, um, all right. So we're going to have Rahul and Ryan move on to the finals. Let's start with the third place game. Garrett Hornock, Buddy Hammond versus Kyle Ackerman, Clark Marshall. You guys got there. Wait, hang on. Scott, is my mic? It's just a little bit. Okay. Sorry. I figured yeah, you can take this out. I want to address. Yep. All right, Garrett, Buddy, Kyle Clark. Garrett, Buddy, Kyle Clark. I want to watch that really bad. (laughs) That would be a really fun game to watch. I I really want to see Garrett and Buddy. 
<laughs> yeah, I think I guarantee he takes this one for me. I'm I'm gonna go Clark and Cox. I I'm not just trying to be play devil's advocate. I I think that they present a huge a huge threat defensively as well as on surface eve i think clark's one one of the best hitters in the world i think Garrett's definitely a dark horse and buddy plays the best defense in, on the planet but at the same time i just would love to see the six five giant take over we're gonna uh i'm gonna break the tie we're gonna go kyle clark kyle clark take third yeah see what the listeners think of that one but that would yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, finals. Joe Bondi, Fred Hankel versus Rahul Murthy, Ryan Gross. Double clutch versus spotless, mixed. I'm going to pick Raul and Ryder, or not Ryder, Raul and um, Ryan. And the reason being is because, one, we have already had the opportunity to see them play through the round network. If you have not seen it yet, go ahead and watch on their YouTube channel. Um, beat They beat Judgment Day in, what, three sets? Was, was, I can't Spoilers. Remember. Spoilers. Hey, hey, hey. Spoilers. Hey, whatever. Hey, but, they look good, is what yeah, you're saying. No, they, they looked really good, um, despite, I mean, Fred, Fred had some ankle things going on during that game but at the same time i think we talked about joe bondi not being the most proficient defender and we've talked about fred being primarily a run defender and i i believe that their play styles especially defensively do not complement each other super well i think that from a surface pressure standpoint they would apply a lot of it but when it comes to Ryder and raul i think they have their entire game that ryan and raul <laughs> Ryder and raul uh, Ryder could be easier too wait did you say Ryder? i said ryan no wait, you oh, i thought you said ryan, ryan. Yeah, I, I thought you said it too. But anyway, I also have Ryan and Rahul winning this yeah. one because I just think yeah. they're more of an overall team than yeah. Joe and Fred would be. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. That's it. Thank you guys for participating. I like that. We got first Rahul and Ryder. Rahul and Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Rahul him. and Ryan. Second, Joe and Fred. Third, Kyle and Clark to Scott's dismay. And in fourth, Garrett and Buddy. All right, we'll see what the listeners think. I think the bracket will go uh, a little different than that. Um, all right, on the women's side, our teams, or I'll just say our first matchup, Sarah Allen and Olivia Jenke versus the Europeans, Lara Kunzelman and Tina Goulden. Europeans, for me, win it. <laughs> and that's not... I'm, I'm surprised. Biased. I'm surprised. I'm super unbiased, but the Europeans have been easy. No, I just think um I just think uh Laura and uh Tina, they make a yeah, good Yeah, Tina pairing. could be a better support player than Sarah there. Agreed. Yeah. Gavin, where you're at? Where you at? You know, I haven't seen much of Tina play, but I have seen a decent amount of Lara recently. And Scott's making making chirps saying that Lara is the best player in the in the world in the last in, in previous podcast. Chirp? He said um, it. He did it's say it's not it. a chirp, it's a it's a hey. it's a shout. It's a it, take. It's a shout. It's sure, a, not sure. Whatever. Not it's even a, a hot take. I don't what know you, what we're discussing. Whatever you want to call it. No, I, and and I'm saying I I. I... I think that if Tina, in your mind, is a better support player, I think Laura, Laura and her would win. So I, I'm. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, Laura and Tina, or Sarah and Olivia. Yep. I don't have much to add on the discussion. Um, but I do. I do think it'd be close. I do I think it'd be close. I do think I it'd be too. close. I think it's um, Sarah can hustle. That it's just like Olivia will make the play, and and Sarah can uh, can get it back. Yeah. Uh, it'll be. It would be close. But I. I. I'm. I, I'm with you guys there. I think All right, other side support player will pop off yep. better, and and yeah. Other side, Julia Stadler and Allie Jenke versus Kara Hoy and Katie Pearson. Julia Stadler and uh, who was it? Allie Jenke. Allie, that's an unbelievable team. Versus Kara Hoy and Katie Pearson. Yeah, I have I have Julia and Allie for sure. Yeah, no hazy. I agree. All right, I mean, I'll I'll defer to you guys, but I think I think Kara and Katie like they'd um, be a good team for sure. Like they are a yeah. great team. I know, I know, I know, I know. And it's and it's not as if like, oh, because it's so no, but like honestly, Yulia and Ali, they would be a really good team. I don't see them getting broken many time many times. 
and they're both very complete players. I and yeah, right. I think they'd be okay. very, I, I think they'd be a nice team to watch too. All right. like to well, one day. here, Kara and Katie, third place. Kara and Katie versus Sarah and Olivia. Look, one thing to know about Olivia is Olivia performs really well with whoever she plays with. She's played with a mm-hmm. lot of different partners. Now people think, oh yeah, she plays a lot with Ali, and of course you put two women who are top five in the world. For sure, together, they're going to win a lot of tournaments, right? But at, um, Olivia also plays a lot of tournaments in the co-ed side with different partners, mentioning Addison Powers playing the uh, Nationals in Atlanta in December against mm-hmm. a lot of stacked teams, such as Kara and Clark, um, to name a few, Grant and, K- and Katie Pearson, Grant Laughlin and Katie Pearson. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is... You pick Sarah and Olivia. I would pick Sarah and Olivia, just because I think... Gavin, Gavin, you'll be the tiebreaker because I got Karen, Katie. Yeah, Karen, Katie, they're they're. You do, Sarah and Olivia. I think so. Sarah and Olivia, I think really like just depends on how they're mixed. I don't think I don't have any doubt at the at the base level. Karen, Katie will perform at. I think Sarah and Olivia is much more hit or miss, hot or cold, if you will. Um, who do you say more hot and cold? Olivia and Sarah. I think Kara and Katie's more hot and cold. I don't think their personalities would mix. I think they would just be a super just solid team. And will play well. Yeah. I just think Kara plays very like calm and relaxed. And you could say quite casual, but in a good way. And Katie's very sort of like serious and focused, which is again, another personality take and also not a negative or a positive one. Like, again, but that's two very different personalities and mindset. I don't know if they would click that well. Hey, hey we'll see what the listeners say. <laughs> I got just further. I'm just putting my record there. Okay. I got Kara and Katie. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. you know, all right, we'll take, we'll go with Sarah and Olivia though, as the pod. Um, all right, so the finals here. Lara and Tina versus Yulia and Ali. This would be an Im- unbelievable match to watch. I, Set- oh, I would just say first, I would just say Yulia and uh, Yulia and Ali are probably a more complete team, but I think Laura is by far the best player on the net, and Tina is, is a good enough support partner where they would still win. So I would go Laura and Tina for me. God's, uh, Gavin's like, I'm not too sure. <laughs> mm, no, I just I don't disagree with Scott. That's all. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. So I, I guess like uh, three out of five, I would take Tiana, but you never know. But two out of five, you would take Julian Alley just doing the math for you. No, <laughs> <laughs> not how that works. <laughs> so no, I'm asking I, I think... you, if it was best of five, would they win the first two or would they win the last two games where it didn't matter? They'd win the if it was the best two. of five, Laurentino would win the first three. Julie and Ali would win the last two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when are they no. winning their two, I'm Gavin? Kidding, that's I'm the, no, I think they'd win. They'd win I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think kidding. that's how I'm it would kidding. go. Yeah. It's hard to bet against them here. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen enough of Julia. I don't want to also bet that. against Ali. So I think I'm really hedging my bet. I think uh, it's so hard. I think I'd go. I think I'd go. I don't know. Right, well, as a pod, we're going Laurentina. I might go Julian Alley, but you'll never know because as a pod, we have Lara and Tina winning second place. Julia and Allie, third place. Sarah Allen and Olivia Jenke, fourth place. Kara Hoy and Katie Pearson. Do I agree with these? You will never know. And let's see <laughs> what the listeners think. We'll post these on our story. The same bracket and, and see poll. if it ends up the same way. Yeah, yeah do we'll some do a polls. poll for each matchup, and then yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, see what see where it ends up. Yeah, right, there you go, guys. That is the break for this week. A little thinking, yeah. a little random team gen. Everyone loves to think about who should play with who and who would be the best mashup. So there we go. Hope you guys enjoyed. You killed it. Lovely.
Thank Mike's you. Break. Mike's, Mike's break. break. I also came with up. I came up with this like definitely like thirty minutes before. I was like, oh crap! I forgot to do a break. Don't tell them. Just kidding. I've actually, I've had this queued. I've had this queued all week. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so transitioning onto the second part of the podcast into rules that we would like to see potentially implemented to make Roundnet its best possible form. And I want to start by mentioning and talking about the last year's podcast when we talked about this. We threw loads of rules out there. And also, we have heard loads of people throw loads and loads of rules out there. I personally want to say it's cool to throw rules out there, but you always, one, need to look at the person saying the rule and because it's weighted. It's always weighted. You get a new beginner into the sport and they start telling you loads of rules that should change. Their weight is maybe not the same as people who have played pro for two years or have played around it for 10 years. It's weighted. And I think it's important that we, as a community, it's okay to throw sort of rules out there to benefit and support the game, but... We also need to see it through the lens of the very top of the game. Now, in my opinion, when we we are looking at rules, we should be thinking, okay, so if Gabe, Clark, Ryder, and Ryan, you know, just top four, a good uh, four players in the world, right? If those players were on the net, on the courts, what rules would benefit this gameplay? And it comes back a little bit too early when we talk about, you know, what is the perfect statistics around net? X amount of rallies per game, X amount of serves, X amount of uh, double faults. Obviously, we want to decrease double faults, increase rallies, but we don't know the exact number because we're still, you know, building up as a sport. But what I do want to say is I want to sort of us as today, especially look through the lens of the top players and not through the lens of intermediates. Because if you talk about soccer players when you're seven years old and you put them on a, uh, you know, 11 aside goal when they're only five years old, it's going to be a hell of a lot of goals, which is cool, but at somewhat at some point it sort of loses its enjoyment because there's just too many goals. So it's always finding that equilibrium, and we should be looking at that equilibrium from the top of the pyramid, in my opinion, not the bottom. Yeah, what do you I, guys. I mean, yeah, lead I love on that. Pers- I love that perspective, but I also I think that and and I think that that kind of perspective also trickles down to the way that the game is played at a lower level. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yes, absolutely. So, and that's the point. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think that that's a great place to start. And I think that one of the things that we'd probably want to consider is reducing side out percentage in some way, shape or form through a rules constraint. And I mean, we, we talked about how we might do that through equipment, but um, you have to make it you can't you have to have something that's implementable. You can't say you can only hit the ball this yay high, you can only hit if your shoulders are squared to that you can only hit this angle or what have you, but, or you can't say we, we've had people hitting ambidextrously for several years. Like we can't just take that out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that one of the things we just talked about before is potentially a boundary. And I know the tournament directors are listening to me now saying, oh no, spike balls have a bound for it. That's what makes it fun. It's like, yeah, but how many people have you seen get a ball that, that Fred hits 70 feet or whatever, however the far the distance, um, regardless of two people, one person standing in front of them covering the push, some Somebody sitting on his hips covering the, the pole in the open. He's still going to hit the ball over you and far enough that you can't recover. So, uh, in, in, within a particular set. Obviously, he doesn't do this set. every single point. Otherwise, again, where we'd all know the sport is broken. Right. But with a perfect set, it's possible. So, I mean... It, perfect set for I, that hit, that is. I'm not... I'm not Right. For, per, perfect set for that right-handed hit that would be hit far enough over the player that they can't recover it on a secondary. Yeah. But I think that if we implemented some sort of boundary, boundary rule that is easy enough for tournament directors to set up and test them. I think that there could be some potential success with that. And I think that's something that hasn't been explored nearly enough. 
that's my take on something that could improve. But, but what? But what about if we fix the equipment first, such as the ball and the net? Then it's always going to be a marriage. Then, yeah. Then, yeah, I know, but it's like the, the equipment sort of, again, it sort of comes first because we, we might do these rules, but then suddenly we make an equipment change that suddenly fixes those things. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'm saying like, bound. Yeah. so when I think of a boundary, I think of it as a way to limit just absolutely blasting shots and having it yes. to do more placement-based. I do agree with Scott that that does depend on the equipment, right? There is equipment that can make that happen. Yeah. If, yeah, forever, you if can't the- hit it. As far as right. I can, like if if right, you can always have both. You can have equipment that limits it, and like a boundary could be a good idea within within reach. Do you know what I mean? Like right, yeah. like you can have it. You can have a boundary, and you can have a net that doesn't hit that far. But like a little bit of what I'm proposing is more of a um, is more of a I think equipment first than that. I at least when I'm thinking about it, there's a different discussion <laughs> of like wanting it to be more placement based, and you can't just absolutely swing as hard as you can regardless of how um you know how hard it can go does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah right, like yeah. yeah but um also let's think about players arm health a boundary is better for that <laughs> yeah it's like also you can hit a low shot that still skims 30 feet in the air before touching the ground so True. It, yeah. then it's like oh how far does the boundary go it's like we yeah. can't now anyway. even determine or even talk about that before we've even got the right equipment and ball right well that's the thing though i feel like on the current equipment it's possible to it's it's not a chicken before the chicken before the egg or egg before the chicken scenario it's uh what do we have right now we've got the, I mean, if you want to call the spike ball that the egg and then the boundaries, the, the chicken, you could do that. But I mean, e- eventually what we do is we have, we have, we set boundaries, we test it out and then we say, Hey, how do we make a net that can only allow players to hit yay far? Right. Well, yeah, right. But so that, the boundary no, 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 but, it has but, to be the equipment. But you start, te- no, but you start, no, you start testing with the boundary to see if the equipment makes sense. Yes. That's what I'm right? saying. You say like, Hey, playing it, playing with a 30 foot boundary is actually a great form of round net. But yes. it's annoying to do boundaries. Can we design a set that you can max hit thirty feet? That's exactly like, what I'm saying. It, yes. it doesn't. Inha- it doesn't inherently have to be that, right? Like you could have equipment that lets you hit sixty, and it's part of like more finesse to only hit thirty. Right? Ahead. Like that's yeah. a thing. But yeah. you can also use the boundary as a way to test what the equipment should do. Yes. Yeah. Right. And exactly. I like that. No, that's yeah. That's more of like the thought process of we're testing things. Yeah. But not like, yep. hey, we're implementing it. We're testing it. Yeah. For the mm-hmm. sake of you know, then the equipment giving that naturally or giving that result naturally. Because like, if we think about the, the rules that have become or been added to the sport in the recent years, such as soft touch, such as serving from seven feet versus six feet, such as um, such as the no hit zone, like these are all hugely beneficial rule changes that have occurred in the past, what, three years to the sport that has dramatically changed around that. Like, I don't yeah. know if any of us would even play or be interested in talking a podcast about a sport if it was back to what it oh, used to be before no hit zone i was almost out yeah yes. <laughs> i was almost out it was it's so boring bad. now the player standard of players will get better to a point where you know the hit zone might need to get larger yep. or, you know bigger or these other rule changes you know to complement the game but i don't want us to do too drastic of rule changes before we get the equipment correct because and i understand you saying that like yeah sometimes we can do these rule changes to see what we need it's yeah it's a bit like a marriage but it's like once you sometimes implement a rule especially at the no hit zone it's hard to go back so if it failed it's like oh i know we're a young sport but it's also asking a lot of people Mm -hmm. who dedicate time and hours and uh, you know money to travel to be like oh yeah we're gonna use it but then not use it no, I'm, I'm kind of offering that from from a perspective of something people should test and see if it's worthwhile. Not not something that 
that, hey, it's t- we're going into 2023 season, we need to change this. It's well, something that yeah. people should try out. If you have if you have the the supplies, you could easily set up a let's say 40 let's say 40 foot by 40 foot boundary, and then the diagonals are going to be a little bit. F- I'm saying from the center of the net, 40 foot by 40, and then the diagonals are going to be a little bit farther further. I don't know the exact math on that. Right. I have a calculator and I'll the, figure out while you guys talk. Like I don't yeah. right so. I think what's interesting is like there definitely is benefits to having stand. Obviously, there are obviously benefits to having standards, but there's also benefits to trying different things. Like, for example, right, um, uh, the NHL over time would be four on four for five minutes and then a shootout. Barely anyone ever scored in four on four. So they're like, what can we do? And they're like, we could try three on three. And and then, right, given they didn't want to just test it in the NHL, so they used it in the AHL, which is the league below it. And they found it to be massively successful, and it is now implemented, right? There are different things, like, uh, you know, baseball just implemented the pitch clock. I don't know exactly where they tested that, but I know, like, I think college has used it for a long time. So I think there's also, like, different layers of, like, does the STS need to do things, or can just other groups just try things and you know, the learnings can be addressed elsewhere. Um, I also want to like mention like, oh, we also mentioned at the top level. There is also obviously like the viewership aspect. I want to shout out like the Premier Lacrosse League, right? So I've been watching their stuff recently um, because that's where Nora works now for the Premier Lacrosse League. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, go Chrome, big Chrome fan now. But <laughs> like they're adding a, they have a shot clock. All right, so like standard major league lacrosse was just standard all rules. And now the Premier Lacrosse League is like, hey, we want to make this more entertaining. So like they have a shock, they have a shot clock. So it's like, you, you got to shoot. We got to make this stuff more entertaining. Does it change fundamentally how lacrosse is? Maybe it has to move fast, right? Imagine basketball without a shot clock. Like they would pass yeah. around forever, right? Yeah. Like, and that, and that can be what it is. Right. But they're like, no, I don't think this, this could fundamentally change lacrosse, but like, I think it's worth it. Or similarly they're this year, they're actually adding a, 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 um, a two point arc. Like basketball is a three point arc, a two point arc. And mm-hmm. I watched it in the indoor, which is a little closer, but like, it's fun. Cause it's like, if you're lagging on D someone's just ripping a shot and getting two points and it just creates a whole different thing. And again, some people in the lacrosse community, I'm sure are upset about that. But for me, I'm like, this adds a new thing. It doesn't really take them at the def- the spirit of the game. Um, and that's a new thing. So I think I'm just kind of adding like more rule change perspective around this stuff mm-hmm. and like how it, how it, you know, affects things. Like even one last example, I remember like back in the day, the NHL hockey was upset about lack of scoring. So they're just like goalies. You just can't have pads that are like super big. And like they just limited the size they can do it. And they thought about like making the net bigger and things like that. It's like obviously like the net bigger didn't happen. But like even these big organizations are doing drastic things to help improve their sport. Obviously, they have watchability to account for. But I think we do, too. Right. Yeah, so sure. If you want, thanks for growth. listening to my ramble. No, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a really good point. And it's always good to compare to these other sports, especially that we have prior knowledge in. And I think one thing I I will say is that the game has changed massively from last year, even uh, a year and a half ago, in regards to serve receive and serve percentages. If you guys watch the round network and even our listeners, right, you saw that the serve percentages were pretty high, you know, up and around 75 to 90%. And that's obviously counting both serves. So therefore, if you're serving, you know, 10 times, you're likely to double for once or twice. I can live with that, you know? We, and that that's only going to get better because you got to remember that, you know, these top players are going to continue to serve and they're going to continue to improve their consistency. They're going to raise their floor and raise their ceiling to a point where double faults are going to be pretty rare, in my opinion. However, I also have the thought process that, you know, 
Roundnet in general totally accelerated hitting, setting, and serving so much quicker and greater than serve, receive, and defense. Well, mainly because those are the three skills, serving, setting, and hitting, that you can do all day at home. You don't need anyone with, usually equipment, you need a basement. And hey, if it's COVID, you've got a lot of free time, right? And you also, yeah. during this COVID period, you had HTR. That HTR that primarily did what? Hitting setting and serving videos you know not, i don't think there's, there's not many hdr videos that pretty much everyone i'm sure is listening to this podcast mm -hmm. have seen in regards to defense and serve receive so no wonder that we as a community we as a sport have accelerated these three main categories over the other two because they're hard to train alone and mm -hmm. there wasn't much content on now we've seen serve receive make a huge step this past year mainly because it demanded it like it like the sport demanded it i remember us speaking about riders serve at nationals and <laughs> you mike yeah. i remember you saying like oh if you just have a lefty righty with quick tosses and you can cut it wide it's just not serverable not not serve receivable and i disagree now i didn't mm -hmm. then now if you watch back every time when you watch back footage don't watch the server Watch the serve receiver and you'll get so much better as a player. Mm -hmm. And that's what pros did after that Nationals game or National Tournament in general. And serve receive now is so much better than it's ever been. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and oh, just, uh, just to conclude, yeah. just to conclude on, on that, I honestly believe that serve receive and uh, defense are going to improve massively this and next year to a point where those five categories are going to be much closer than they've ever been and therefore make a much more entertaining and viewable sport. Will it be perfect and around its absolute potential? No, but it will be a much more closer gap and very watchable yeah. sport. Yeah, I, 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 I want to do a quick thing where like, as we're talking about rules, I think that obviously like the no hit zone, right? Favored defense, soft touch. Um, I am not fully fully thought out of this but i know one defense-based rule change that buddy hammond is pushing for is you know what happens with the step through shot right and at first i think i even voted in the usa round it um thing about essentially all the cover is they like on the step through shot right buddy will often get it get enough and the person will run and get into buddy um and or buddy's body will force them into the no hit zone and it'll be a redo right which is obviously, you know, dis is dis disadvantageous towards the defender, right? And I think at first I was, I, I'm very, very low thought on this right now, but I think at the first I was kind of against it where I'm like, you know, you got to give the hitter the space, et cetera. But the more I was thinking about it is like, is like, is, is more of like, I do think that I, I prefer rule changes that favor defense. And I don't think it's unreasonable to, I, I don't want to go into it about what I think, but I think like, that's an example of like, Scott, you're also talking about like, all those things have gotten better. There's also the aspect of like, I think those, and I agree with you that defense and other service Eve will get better this year. I also think that naturally the other skills will still outpace us. So I am typically in favor of like rules that can favor the defense versus the offense. I know that's a bigger thing, but I think like that's where we're at. I guess I, I won't get into it even more, but I think that that's kind of what I was thinking about as well. Is it like, yeah, that is oh, rules. There's it. We've talked about before. There's like an imbalance in the sport and that's where rules can help bridge that gap, bridge yeah. the gap, but you don't want it to ruin the gap where yes, exactly. equipment exactly. is correct. And these other skill categories do improve that then you don't have a balanced sport because you favored it too much. Yes, right. I, yeah. Exactly. 
From exactly. a defensive perspective, Thank I just you. feel that. From a defensive perspective, I just feel that. I mean, obviously, we'll improve this year, but at what point do we consider that this is a is is it, it's still a side out sport? It's still even if we do have a defensive break, it's it's off of the the second possession of the route. So my consideration is that how do we make three to four possession rallies more common and less of a less of a novelty? And I don't think that the step through is the only thing that that we would have to change Gosh, in order no. to make that possibility. I, and I Gosh, don't no. think that just people, hey, go get better, is going to improve it unless we do this over the course of ten, like ten years, right? Um, I mean, Buddy's been playing for ten years. That's why he's gotten so dang good at this sport. But a lot of us don't have the luxury, and we don't necessarily have the turnover rate within the sport of round at this point to consider longevity. And I, I just putting out there maybe maybe we could use rules to facilitate improvement of the skills that are lacking such as defense service you've caught up this year we made a huge improvement i don't there's without so any rule changes without, without any i rules. don't want yeah i don't want to include rule changes to then yes accelerate the process but then you might not get the whole you know you, you'll get you get the cheat code instead of going through the process of really understanding the technique of serve receive which we've seen happen this year i don't want to give people free defensive touches by you know making this I don't know X Y Z rule just because yeah. you suck at defense when really there's a lack of content. No, don't call me out, okay? I'm serving. Okay. No, I'm no, not. But this I'm is dead fact. Kidding. I'm, I'm just... kidding. No, I know. I know. I know. I know you're kidding. But it's like I know. I, I know. It's the saying. absolute truth. It's like I don't want to give people these free defensive touches <laughs> just because you've never watched the defensive how to defend video in your life, and neither of people really produce. Well, a lot that's of what comes back to what you're saying. Where like it matters at the higher level, right? Like yes. that. That right. If if I can't get a touch, I don't think that's warranting a rule change. Agreed. Right. If if Buddy Hammond and Clark Marshall, or even like they're the one, yes. they're like the one percent. So right, I would say like you know even even not good as defenders of them. If they're kind of struggling to get touches, right? Because I don't want to say like okay, only the top ten players can get like get quality touches, right? Like that's a whole but that's a whole balance, right? Yep. Don't based off of me. Really look at that highest level, um, at least as far as drastic, you know things like that i mean yeah. look at the look at the defensive or look at the rally rate past one one defensive possession we're considering defensive possession or one defensive possession a rally at this point and i don't think that is where the sport will excel over the next several years i think that in order to facilitate it we need to test out new rules that might include boundaries and obviously we'd have to marry it marry that with equipment but um i, I just think we talked about service being improved so drastically this year but but we also have to think defense is a lot bigger slice of pie than service is quite literally. It, yes, but, um, two man for you can hit it high. You can hit it high. You can hit it low. You can hit it in almost, well, I would say 270 degrees more than that. I don't know. Three and 360 can, with the right set, right? Most, yeah. Right. 360 with the right set. I mean, yeah, you can hit, you can choose your slice of pie. It can be whatever flavor you want defense. Yeah. Whereas service is just like, you get half, you got, got half basically. Yeah. But within that time to move in, but e e either way, right. And to sort of conclude, and you guys can feel free to add on to this if you, if you want to, but to sort of conclude is the one thing I would say about buddy is that what is his best category? It's defense. What is his second best category, right? Probably uh, saying, serving, serve, receive. Probably serving is maybe his second, right? And then maybe serve, receive, and then hitting, then setting, right? So Buddy is an absolute outlier. Because when you think about most players, mm -hmm. it goes serving one, hitting two, setting three, serve, receive four, defense five. That is most round net athlete. So again, we're talking of a sort of, oh, we want these rule changes to help defense and everything. But if everyone 
was like a Buddy Hammond instead of more of a rider either type player within your, you know, again, one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five out of your skills being it might be different, in that way. Right? Or right. discussions been, might be different. We might right? be talking about, mm, how do we make serving easier? Yeah. So yeah. I, for me, it's just mm-hmm. we need to close all these skill categories and get them closer together. And I do agree that you said earlier, Mike, that hitting, setting, and serving, they will continue to grow and they will continue to get That's also just my perspective. But I I really hope that serve receive, because I believe serve receive Mm -hmm. made bigger, uh, a bigger exponential growth this year than any other skill category. So I do believe it's possible that we can do the same with defense, that defense and serve receive can be at the very top level on the same skill level as these other three skill categories and once you do that what an unbelievable sport we have without even changing any rules maybe just making some equipment changes like we talked about they're objective the objective ones at the ball the nets not moving <clears throat> just those i mean that yeah. might just be enough yep Gavin, don't get me wrong. thoughts yeah don't get me wrong if 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 we had if we had equipment changes for sure i do think that defense could, could catch up over the next what let's say three years but from less from a, uh, yeah maybe maybe less maybe less, less than even years. without equipment changes short steps no, has, but anyway, I disagree. I don't think I really don't think that defense will catch up without equipment and or rule changes, at least not at the pace that we're considering. I, I, I don't think that that also maybe, f- maybe five to 10 years is what we'd be looking at for people to catch up at the highest. I totally disagree because Buddy's already there yeah. now and he's maybe weaker at these other but strongest at defense and he's getting breaks every game. How many three possessions? I mean, he's been the best. He's game? been like the best, one of the How best many? defenders for so long. Yeah, I, I, but but it, but still, even even when Buddy's getting turnovers, it's it's not a it's not a rally. It's one possession, one possession side out off of. Uh, he's a good hitter. Yeah, because the, that's because the yeah, other yeah, team sure. aren't as good as defending as he is. So once he gets the defensive touch, the other team aren't that as good as defending as he is. So once he gets the defensive touch, it's easy for him to convert. Now that's just a very very no. It's because he's because he's partnered everything. with the best setter in the world. Fair, but, but, still, true, but look, you, if you have if you yeah look, if you have four oh. buddies on a net, you can have an unbelievable spectacle, right? So a little bit unclean saying, a little bit unclean hitting, a lot of defensive touches, all right? Some eight, couple of aces. Terrible right? for the observers. <laughs> Terrible for <laughs> if you have four riders on a net, you're gonna have a hell of a lot of aces, right? I mean, he's a very balanced player, but again, again, serving is definitely hey, the strongest. It's suit. funny. It's it is so funny. Now it's a like, different sport. But other, but it's a different. It's some a different people sport. like that sport. Which is a whole different thing. And that, that's like, yeah. hey, that's, like, that's hey, that's a great way to end that, the podcast. No, guys, like, Scott, where, where does, what is around there? How many aces should I'm going to end? How many this is how I'm going to end. This is how I'm going to end. And then, and then, Scott, you're gonna, you're gonna close this out. What equipment change? This is the bigger rhetoric. What equipment? This is what I'm wondering. This is what keeps you up at night. What equipment changes and rule changes can make me the best player in the world without any effort? That's that's the question. Um, absolutely nothing. Okay, Scott, that's the rhetor. It's a rhetorical. I said it's rhetorical. <laughs> All right, play that outro music. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to episode three of that Round It podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Feel free to share with friends if they think that they would also enjoy it. You can follow us on Instagram at that Round It podcast. You can join our Facebook group where we release the podcast a little bit early and get some feedback from you guys at that Round It podcast on Facebook. We are also on TikTok uh, at that Round It podcast and YouTube. This has been Scott, joined by the lovely Mike and Gavin. We'll maybe talk about this topic more in the future. But for now, enjoy the rest of your morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this. Boys are out. <laughs>